Hello, welcome to the In the Fields podcast, a brand new podcast from St. Martin's in the Fields Episcopal Church in Columbia, South Carolina. In the Fields is a podcast where you'll find St. Martin's out and about in the world, wondering about questions of the Bible and faith together, and maybe eventually even some sermons too. It'll be a grab bag of a whole variety of things, whatever we're interested in talking about at the moment and wherever we might be finding God out there in the fields. My name is the Reverend Caitlin Darnell. I'm the associate rector here at St. Martin's. So there was a moment in the pandemic, probably in around like June, end of May, when it seemed like things were really starting to turn a corner. Case counts were down. Activities were starting up again. There were, you know, concerts and sporting events and parties. And it felt like a lot of folks were letting out that big exhale because we'd all been like holding our breath for a year and a half. And there was this moment where I found myself thinking that, you know, the great lockdown gave me this chance to strip things out of my life that were cluttering it. That all that stuff that I did to busy myself or felt obligated to run around and do. And there was also this moment when it felt like the lockdown was ending and I thought, this is my chance to reconfigure my life. Cut out the stuff that wasn't important to me or wasn't joyful and make room for what is important to me. Right now is when I get to decide what the structure of my life looks like. And I also had this moment where I thought, as a priest, why church? Why should church be one of those things that you'd make room for in the structure of your life? Why do we come to church? And I know the Delta variant spreading around has really tamped down a lot on that feeling of freedom that a lot of us had, but the question still remains, why church? As we figure out more and more how to live with this endemic virus and as we cultivate our lives in spite of it, why do we come to church? We're going to explore this question in a multi-part series called Why Church? Each episode is going to feature a conversation with a different pastor or theologian as we explore all of the different answers for the question. Today, you'll be hearing from the Reverend Mitchell Smith, who's the rector here at St. Martin's, as he interviews one of his childhood best friends, the Reverend Chris Slane. I'll let him take it away from here. Good afternoon or whatever time it is. I've never really done a podcast before, but my name is Mitchell Smith. I'm the rector at St. Martin's in the Fields Episcopal Church here in Columbia, South Carolina. And um, Caitlin and I have been wrestling with an idea of why would people want to go to church? And since I've never done a podcast before, I thought the safest way for me to start would be to have one of my best friends in the whole world um, embarrass himself with me. And so 
I'm here with my friend Christopher Slane. Chris is a interesting fellow. We met each other in second grade. Um, I got into a fight with him and his twin brother. Uh, I was hitting one of them and the other was punching me in the back of the head. Um, Mitch tells great stories. <laughs> and then Chris, um, let's see. Chris went to college and then participated in one of um, my biggest mission projects right when I came out of seminary called Waters of Hope, which was a bike ride that circled uh, the state of Iowa, raising money for clean water projects in uh, the South Sudan. During that time, um, he also met his wife, Melanie. And they started dating at my daughter's first birthday party. Um, and so I don't know how that happened, but our families have been intertwined for a long time. Chris, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Mitch called me one day and said, do you have a bike? And I said, uh, no. He said, well, you better get one because we're going to ride around the state of Iowa. <laughs> we did once upon a time. Um, Chris is also really, really smart. Um, he's getting his doctorate in, what are you getting your doctorate in? The history of biblical interpretation. The history of biblical interpretation. He speaks Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. Yes, fluently all. I don't, I read them all very well. <laughs> I speak Spanish and German, a little bit of French, some Turkish, a little bit of Hawaiian, and other, I dabble in other things. So Chris is crazy smart. Um, and uh, um, he is also the rector of a historically black congregation in Cincinnati, Ohio. Tell us about your church. Yeah, so I'm actually the interim rector. Uh, St. Andrews, it's in Evanston. It was uh, founded in 1895 in the west end of downtown Cincinnati. Uh, it was moved uh, out into the suburbs because of urban renewal. Uh, when I, the I-75 corridor was being made. So um, now we're in Evanston, which is right uh, right next to the uh, Xavier University in Cincinnati. And so um, uh, uh, anyway, Chris brings with us a, a unique a unique background. Um, and, and so I'm just going to start with, Chris, why should we go to church? Why should we go to church? Yeah. The easiest question. I mean... You could have said, Chris, why do you think that um, Joel and Jonah and Nahum are being alluded to in Nehemiah 9? That would be more up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> but um, why should we go to church? I actually kind of preached about that this this past weekend. And one of the reasons I, I will just say I've I've had a big focus on youth ministry for a lot of my career as a priest. And I think probably one of the most important reasons to go to church is the same reason that we baptize children, is that um, you make a commitment to help your children thrive in this really crazy and confusing world. And when we teach our children about things, we also learn things. So I look at I look at the um, stuff that's happened with the uh, advent of the Internet and social media and just having worked with uh, with youth for so many years. It's a really confusing world. It's a more confusing world now than it was when we were growing up. 
And so for me, the reason why we go to church is or one of the reasons, one of the primary reasons we go to church is because it's the one place in our lives where people of all ages gather together and where we say it's not just about knowing right and wrong, but knowing the underpinnings, the theological, the ethical and the moral underpinnings for why, why do we say this is right and that is wrong? And how do we set our kids up to thrive in a world that is really confusing, it's going to be telling them this is right and this is wrong, or they're going to say this is right and this is wrong. We know in our political divide that so many people are trying to tell you what's right and what's wrong. How do you decide and how do you figure out for yourself? Um, how do you navigate all these different ideologies flying around if you don't have a theological or an ethical underpinning for why you believe what you believe? And so I think that's one of the most important things um, for why we go to church. Yeah, it's a, almost a theological identity about yourself, having an understanding of who you are um, a, a, as a child of God. And then from that right and wrong, um, from that sort of how we behave mm -hmm. is heavily influenced. That's an yeah. interesting thought. Yeah, I mean, look, if you... If you don't figure out who you are, somebody else will be more than willing to tell you who they think you should be. I've noticed that um, with 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 my children, um, and uh, recently uh, TikTok, and how many how how many one minute and thirty second influences they can have. Just in five minutes scrolling their phone, they can have 30 seconds, uh, five minutes for each one. That's 10 different influencers telling them who they want to be in five minutes. Yep. Um, which is insane. It's mind boggling. Like, you know, we we would have like TV shows and all that kind of stuff. But you have one. If you have a TV show. You watch it for 30 minutes. You have basically one ideology that's being that is being presented to you, let's say. Uh, if you're if you're going to five different influences in five minutes, that's five different ideologies that you're being exposed to. Yeah. And how do you decide which one is the right one? How do you decide, hey, this, uh, you know, this thing on TikTok, this um, devious licks. Have you heard about that? No, I'm scared now. Oh, my gosh. So it's not it's not gross. Um, it's weird. So basically kids are, are going on TikTok and they have stolen something out of the bathroom at their school and they put it on TikTok. And it started with, you know, hand soap dispensers, toilet paper rolls. It has gotten all over the entire country and kids are stealing urinals. <laughs> <laughs> doors off of the off of the frames. Okay. Schools are closing their bathrooms and kids are not able to go to the bathroom all day because the schools don't want their bathrooms vandalized like that. And it's it's completely it's a social media thing, right? And, and it it'll it'll come and it'll pass like all the other ones. But how do our kids um, go to school where 40, 50, 60% of the people know that that kind of thing is happening. And 20% of them think this is really cool and are doing it. And what if they get roped into it? How do they, how do they decide? I'm going to say no to this. That doesn't seem right. 
So you're you're speaking, and I, I hear you speaking about why to go to church mainly right now as a parent. Um, I think so. I mean, I think I think uh, Jesus said, "Let the children come unto me." And sometimes the way that we operate as parents, especially when we are like saying, "I have to do soccer practice," or um, I, we have to do this or we have to do that. Sometimes we become the disciples keeping our children from Jesus. And I oh. think that has massive implications for, um, for how they're going to live their lives. Like Jesus wants, wants us as disciples to bring the children to him because he has something to teach them. And if we get in their way, that's an abdication, I think, of our responsibility as parents, a serious abdication, because they're going to be faced with stuff that only Jesus can help them with. Wow. I just want to I'm going to back up a little bit. But Caitlin is in here listening to this conversation and both of our eyebrows went up. I don't think I've ever heard that described, that we become the disciples who are keeping our children from Jesus. Let the little children come to me. I've never heard a, a, another priest describe it that way. Um, so if I get one nugget out of this conversation, it's that. I, it almost brought tears to my eyes. Um, that's a powerful thing to think about. Because um, I've always, and I know that many of our family, I, 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 I'm a priest, yes, but I, I'm a Christian first. I'm a, a husband. I'm a parent. I think of, of my uh, those are sort of more essential to my identity. Mm -hmm. um, and as a, as a Christian, I think of myself as a disciple of Christ. I've never thought about myself as a disciple who keeps, who could be potentially keeping my children away from, from their faith. That there's a lot to digest in that. There's a lot to unpack. That's uh, a lot to unpack. Cause we usually think of that as, you know, the, the kind of like, old curmudgeon in the back row who when the kids make noise they're like oh, I can't believe you're letting your kids do that right that's the way we think about the disciples keeping children from Jesus like no we can't have children in church they need to be in the nursery that's how it's usually preached but when I when I think about it I'm just like anything that we do that keeps kids from Jesus turns us into that person wow wow Thank you for sharing that insight with me. Um, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about, not only with with the Eucharist, not only with moral underpinnings and, and how we, we judge right and wrong in church. One of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is that even at St. Martin's, which tends to be more liberal as churches go, even at St. Martin's, the altar rail is one of the few places that I know of where uh, people of many different races, uh, many different uh, sexualities, uh, uh, people of many different backgrounds, mm -hmm. um, political affiliations, mm -hmm. wealth, mm -hmm. uh, all come together around the same same altar mm -hmm. and um, eat the Holy Eucharist, to eat that holy meal together. Mm -hmm. um, and how powerful that is. And, and one of the things for me, as I think about why church, is that um, I don't know of other places in society where that happens. 
And thinking about the post-communion prayer and praying that together, mm-hmm. everybody saying thank you at the same time for something, for, for God's body and blood. Mm-hmm. And then the being sent out afterwards uh, for us to continue the liturgy in the world as we work together. Mm-hmm. In that moment of receiving the Eucharist, saying that post-Eucharistic prayer, and then being sent out as one body, mm-hmm. we're really quite unified and I, I don't know other times when I get that that feeling other times when I get that community yeah I mean I I think what I think what Jesus is asking us to do in that moment is to put whatever identity that we have built for ourselves aside for a minute and make Christian with a capital C our primary identity. And so we get furious and mad with each other. My um, my grandfather used to say, you know, when I do something, it was inevitable. When you do something, uh, it's the worst thing that could possibly happen. <laughs> <laughs> and who was your, before we go any further, Chris comes from a, a line of Episcopal. Who was your grandfather? My grandfather, he was the Reverend Claude Dutille. Uh, he started the Institute for Human Services after he retired from the priesthood. He spent his entire career in Hawaii, and it's the biggest homeless um, services and shelter um, in Honolulu, Hawaii. And it started with peanut butter sandwiches being on the side out of the from road. his car. Yep. Peanut butter sandwiches on the road. And now they have five different shelters. They have um, medical shelters for people who are uh, experiencing homelessness, who are coming out of the hospital and have to recover. They have group homes. They have a shelter for women, a shelter for men. I mean, they have a shelter for all the um, not. It's not a shelter. It's a village that they built with Tesla um, over by the airport in Honolulu that is for um, community and they do community projects there and it's to help people um, live in community together and get the skills that they need to go out and um, live in, in a place that honestly is is too expensive for even upper middle class people sometimes. It's uh, um, As we think about why church, I have a funny story and I'm Alrighty. 99% sure that if I went into your car right now, I would find granola bars or something that you have in the side door of your car to be able to pass out to folks who are hungry. Yeah, we have Z bars. And then I was riding with your brother, Keola, uh-huh. um, in New Orleans and uh, in his truck. Uh-huh. He also has granola bars. Like He has food in the side door of his truck ready yeah. to hand out to people who are are homeless. I'm willing to bet your, your both of your other brothers have food in there too i would guess it's a so. constant so we talk about why church is your daily bread by the ministry you participate in yeah it's daily bread and so you give out that that food um i like to say i like to say that um uh taking the eucharist right um jesus broke and gave and i like to think that when we take in the broken body of christ and you know you say you are what you eat that we become the broken pieces of bread and that we're supposed to go out and be those broken pieces of bread and give other people their daily bread. You you know, when Jesus feeds the 5,000 and there's 12 baskets of leftovers, that's for the people who are not there 
is not leftovers for the people who are there. And, oh, if I get hungry again, Jesus is going to give me more bread. It's their 12 baskets for the 12 tribes of Israel. Go out and find the people that need their, their daily bread also. Go out and find them and, and, and give it to them. And that happens in lots of ways. So handing out a granola bar or um, listening to somebody that needs to be listened to or um, just having a conversation with somebody and getting to know them on a deeper level than just them being a one dimensional, two dimensional person. You know, finding somebody that you don't have common ground with or you think you don't have common ground with and all of a sudden finding out that you're both human when you talk to them for a second. That's That's some daily bread. It is. Our gospel this week, um, even one who gives a, gives me a cold, a, a cold glass of water and how powerful of a gift that can be mm-hmm. uh, here in Columbia, South Carolina on a hot day. Mm-hmm. What a remarkable thing a, a cold glass of water can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pondering a lot now. But one of the things that as I think about sort of the church and, and, and why church and these sorts of ministries is the church is a place where giving out that granola bar, giving out that cold glass of water, giving out that broken piece of bread, giving of yourself to another. The church is a place where those behaviors are celebrated and lifted up. Mm-hmm. I don't like to get into any culture war conversations too often, but I do think that sometimes the world will look at those sorts of behaviors as, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. You're, uh, you're being, um, uh, you're enabling bad behavior. Why are you giving people that food when they're begging? Mm-hmm. You're enabling their behavior. Why are you, um, and, and they, they judge you. Mm-hmm. Whereas the church celebrates it. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I think about Jesus's words when the people, workers in the vineyard come back and don't get mad at me because I'm generous. Right. Right. I, well, look, the world tells us that when we see somebody who's different, um, especially when we see somebody who we think is not living the right way. And I would say that most of us, if you stop and you see somebody that's living on the streets that's panhandling, you're probably going to say, what's wrong with that person? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are. That's just... You made bad choices and that's why you're doing this now. Right. Um, Jesus asks us to look at every person first and foremost as a human being that's deserving and worthy of love. And yes, we need to be careful with enabling, right? I'm a child of an alcoholic. You, If you enable an alcoholic, they'll never hit rock bottom. And if, if it's a true, like the disease of alcoholism or any kind of addiction, um, if you enable that person and never hit rock bottom, it will kill them. Mm-hmm. The, the best possible thing is for that person to realize that they've got a shovel and they're digging a hole and that they can throw the shovel down anytime and Jesus will be standing at the top of the hole ready to pull them out. And you can be part of that. So yeah, you don't want to be enabling, but I've seen amazing things too um, with handing, like I, I was leaving this exit the other day um, 
and I handed these two people who are, who are sitting there. Um, and it's a place that there are lots of different people show up and panhandle at this place because it's, it's such a tra- high traffic area. And I gave them both uh, one of these Z-bars I had in my door. And I was sitting at the light and I like to, I keep my door down. Of course, it's COVID. So I put my mask on before I do this and um, just so that I'm not maybe necessarily giving them something because they don't know where I've been either. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but... Uh, I was sitting there and as I was driving away, they pulled, uh, they pulled a trash bag out of their backpack and started cleaning up all the litter in the corner where they were standing. So your gift, you think helped inspire them to start so, cleaning? So look, if they have, if they have addiction that they're dealing with, most people that are homeless are dealing mm-hmm. with addiction or mental illness mm-hmm. and our society doesn't deal well with those things. And, and so, and so this is where, this is where they end up. But I saw their humanity. I didn't just see their situation. I saw, I saw that they were also people who cared about where they were, that they wanted the place that they were to be clean, that, um, that they cared about their lives even though sometimes we look at somebody who's homeless and we think they don't care about their life. They're willing to just throw it all away. Uh, You can be part of those miracle moments. I think they're miracle moments where you as a person, your hardened heart is softened a little bit. That's a miracle. Everyday miracles. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm going to change subjects a little bit because we're going to wind down, but, um, I, I used you and your brother. Christopher has a twin brother, Patrick, and I used you all in a children's sermon at the very beginning of this pandemic. Did you know this? I did. I think I watched it. And and I will say if Mitch ever says anything about me in a sermon or just any story, just just know that, you know, 80 percent of it's true and 20 percent of it is embellishment. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this case, I'm, I think all of it is true. Oh, this is about the chicken pox, right? Patrick and Chris got chicken pox. Oh, okay. when I, and they got to stay home from school for two weeks. And I thought that this was totally unfair because I had to go to school and, and they got to stay home. I remember this and like so it was yesterday. My mom felt really bad for her friend. And so my mom brought over soup or something to to. Patrick and Chris's mom uh, to give, you know, to help with meals, which is what you do when you got a family and your best friend has children who are sick. And what they didn't know, what my mom and, and Mary Ann didn't know is that while they were talking, I snuck into Patrick and Chris's room, took off my shirt and rolled around underneath their bed in their sheets so that he could get, so I could get chicken, chicken pox. pox and stay home from school for, and he for got two it weeks. so bad <laughs> it was catastrophic chicken pox <laughs> yeah I, that was longer than two weeks i it got really sick was it was one of the biggest really mistakes bad. i have ever made <laughs> so um uh I'm now much more that cautious. That wasn't the only I time. Like I, I remember you coming up to our car door when we were at church and reaching your arm in the window and, and saying, rubbing Please our arms rub together. Our yes, face. I tried multiple times that day to get chicken box, and um, I did get it, and you, I got it really bad. So 
I get had a what good you plan. I thought it was a good plan, a way to stay home. Asking ye shall receive. I, I received. Yep. Knocking the door shall be opened unto you. <laughs> it was opened in a very bad way. But Chris, thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for being a part of uh, the first podcast I've ever done. All right. <laughs> and um, just want people out there to to stay safe during this COVID time. Mm-hmm. I also am struck by the words that sometimes we are the disciples who keep our own children away from Jesus. And um, I'm going to hold that one pretty close to my heart for the next few days. So thank you for sharing that with me. No problem. This is a podcast of St. Martin's in the Fields in Columbia, South Carolina. Pay us a visit here on campus, come worship with us on Sundays, or visit us online at smifsc.com. Be sure to like, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your podcast channels, and leave a comment. Let us know if you like this episode, if you like this format. We want to hear from you. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.